Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Doing well? I am uh, Pastor Barry. I'm the executive pastor here at New Life, and we just want to say thank you for joining us here at New Life this weekend. We are in the middle of a summer series, which is called Mountain Monologues, and we are kind of systematically working our way through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as found in the Gospel of Matthew. And it's a pretty long series. It's, it's 20, 21 weeks, and I can't believe there were, this is week 11. So like, we're halfway there. So if you're uh, of school age, you're halfway there. School's just around the corner. So, no, I don't want to ruin summer. Have a good time. But uh, yeah, we are, we're, halfway, we're halfway through this. And this is also a pretty big weekend uh, for many of us guys in the room because it's Father's Day weekend. So if you're a dad, happy Father's Day. I hope you have a great day. Yeah, you can clap for dads. I feel like you're clapping for me a little bit because I'm a dad. Um, no, if you're a dad today, I hope you have a great day. Uh, I don't know what your day holds. Uh, I hope... For many of you, this is my plan, there's a nap somewhere in there. Uh, maybe you get your favorite dessert, some time with family, whatever that, whatever that looks like, but, but happy Father's Day. And I think we can agree, like, dads play a pretty vital role in our lives. And for some of us, our dads were a tremendous blessing. And for others of us, our dads were, were challenging. And I don't want to get into rankings. I mean, let's be honest, our dads probably fall somewhere in the middle. But what I hope that we take away from today is an understanding of, of who God is as our Father, because we're going to be looking in the Gospel of Matthew, at Matthew chapter 6 today, we're actually going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer, and whereas prayer is the primary focus, we're also going to be looking at some key parts of that passage today, particularly where Jesus reveals that God is also our Father. And again, I don't want to get into rankings, you know, if you're a dad here today, maybe we can all think about those times when We've, uh, we've done really well, right? And I'm sure there's other times where we haven't hit it out of the park, right? And our fathers uh, were probably very similar to that. But one of the things that I hope that we understand is that compared to God, guys, it's not even really a contest, right? Like if this were a race, God's in a Ferrari and we're all in go-karts, you know? You know? Because God is our true heavenly father, and no matter what kind of experience we've had with our dads or what we've done as dads, I want us to walk away with this, that, that God's our true heavenly father and he can fill in the gaps left by our earthly fathers that they perhaps that they omitted. And, and for those of us that are dads here today, he sets an example for each and every one of us as well. And I hope that as we walk through the passage today, we find some healing in the midst of that, we find some restoration in the midst of that, and also that we have some hope in the midst of that too, right? Because our God is a God of, of love and of hope uh, as we walk out this journey together. Now, one of the things that we're going to really focus on, it's actually our take-home point for today, is that God is our good, heavenly Father, does a couple of things in particular. And that is that we have a holy, heavenly Father who loves us, who provides for us, and protects us. That's the one point I'm going to continue to reference today. I hope that we take with us and live out that we have a true heavenly Father who loves us, who provides for us, and protects us. So if you have, if you have a Bible or your Bible app, I'd invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 15. If you have your Mountain Monologues booklet, we're on page 30. 
But before we look at our scripture for today, let's, let's pray. Lord God, I ask and pray right now that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would speak to our hearts, that you would minister to our spirits, that you would open our hearts to receive your word. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 6, 5 through 15 says this, And when you all pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray in the synagogues and standing on the street corners so that they might be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into your room and having shut the door, pray to your father in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And while you are praying, do not use vain repetitions like the pagans, for they think that, that in their many words they will be heard. Therefore, do not be like them, for God, your Father, knows what things you have need before you ask him. Therefore, pray like this, our Father, who is in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, as in earth, also on, as in heaven, also on earth. Our daily bread grant us today. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory for the ages. Amen. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If, you how, if however, you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. Now, for many of us, this is a pretty familiar passage. We say it often at weddings and funerals, and you're probably going, hey, I haven't heard that translation before. And as we've said throughout, our, pastor, our lead pastor, Pastor Chris, uh, actually went back to the Greek and did a literal translation of, of the gospel of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount in particular. And we've been using that throughout, and I actually really wanted to use it today because this passage is so familiar to us that if we don't use something that's a little bit different, we would tend to just glance right over it, Right. But when you change the words a little bit, even as I'm stumbling through because I've learned it in my mind, right, you, our hope is that as we've read it through today, that we would see it in a slightly different light and that we're going to highlight some of those things. Now, as Pastor Chris also pointed out last week, this passage in particular, this particular passage of the Sermon on the Mount uh, that he referenced last week and I'm referencing this week and we're actually going to talk about next week, we're talking about core practices of the Christian faith. Jesus outlined three. Pastor Chris talked about giving last week. Today, we're talking about prayer. Next week, we'll be talking about fasting. And so, Pastor Chris outlined last week with giving that we are generous stewards of all that God has entrusted to us, right? And he said in that message that we shouldn't be showy about it. And Jesus today, talking about prayer, said something very similar. He said that when you pray, don't be showy about it, you know? And that's when he starts to talk about sort of this public prayer. Now, he didn't mean that we could never pray in public. Otherwise, what I just did when I prayed over all of us was willfully defying Jesus. And I try not to do that in my life, right? That's a good thing that we try not to willfully defy Jesus. So what was Jesus talking about? Well, as Pastor Chris said last week, and I'll reiterate today, in Jesus' day, when people gave or when they prayed, they made it a spectacle. They made it a show. They made it a kind of look at me type thing. And friends, that's not what prayer is about. Prayer isn't about this display that we make for all other people. No, prayer is about drawing near to our heavenly Father. Prayer is a conversation with God. It's our opportunity to draw near to him, to get to know him, for him to get to know 
us. So to combat this, Jesus recommended that we pray in private, that, he, that we pray in secret. Now, I don't know if you noticed it as we read through again. This is a familiar passage. But Jesus said something that I think is pretty powerful. He said, when you pray. Not if. Not in the rare instance of or the occurrence thereof or any of those things. He said, when. See, friends, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, prayer isn't suggested. It's expected. Jesus expected that as followers of him that we would be praying regularly. And he actually modeled that and outlined that in his life. If you read through the Gospels, you see over and over and over again that Jesus got up early in the morning and did what? He went off by himself to pray. We see it over and over. And so Jesus had that same expectation of the disciples and by extension us, that we would be praying daily, weekly, all the time. Not just like when crisis hits, you know, the famous phrase, there's no atheists in foxholes, right? Because when there's a battle going on, we always like to pray, you know? But Jesus said, no, 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 when we pray. And so, friends, that's something that we have to walk through and, and consider. He also pointed out that prayer is this really powerful conversation with God, but it doesn't need to be flowery. There doesn't have to be a ton of words. Again, if folks are doing it for show, then we try to make things more eloquent than they need to be. Jesus said, you don't have to repeat over and over. God knows what you need. He knows. So we get to go before God and have this conversation with the creator of the universe. Think about that for a minute. The creator of the universe wants to have a conversation with us. Isn't that incredible? If I were God, I don't know that I'd have the time. But he doesn't care. He wants to have that conversation and that relationship with us. And so we get to come before him daily. Now, it's at this point in the passage that Jesus pivoted and he instructed his disciples, and, and as by, by extension all of us, on a practical way for us to pray. He gave us a model. And if prayer is something that's new to you or you've struggled with prayer in the past and you often think like, how do I do this? Jesus tells us. And so I'd encourage you today or even this week to use some of these practices that Jesus outlined as you enter into prayer with God. Now, he started with two words that are pretty important. He said, our Father. Now, if we were in the crowd that day, if we were part of the gathering who were listening to Jesus there on the mountainside, we would have been astounded that he used those words, that he said, our Father. And the reason was because in that day, Jews in particular viewed God as holy and set apart to be venerated, to be exalted. And God is all of those things. He is all of those things. And the Jews actually venerated God so much that they wouldn't even say his name. So when Jesus said, our Father, he wasn't necessarily saying those things weren't true. They are true, but there was more to it. There was a familial relationship that could be had. And not only that, that we could join in with Jesus in having the same kind of relationship that he had with his father. Otherwise, he would have said, my father, right? But he didn't say that. He said, our father. He could have said, our creator, our Lord, our master, our king. He could have said any of those words, but he didn't. 
No, he chose instead to use father. And I believe that he did that intentionally because he wanted to show us the type of relationship that we get to have with God and that God wants to have with each and every one of us. And so not only did Jesus say that his father was in heaven, but that we get to partner with him and get to have that same relationship as well. The Apostle Paul would actually affirm this later in Scripture in both Romans 8 and Galatians 4. Romans 8, 15 to 17 says this, So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, literally Daddy, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we're his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says this, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you, know, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Now, for many of us, many Christians in general, we believe that we'll get to experience the love of our Father in heaven someday. And that is true. But that's not the whole story. See, what Jesus here was telling us and what Paul affirmed is that we be get to begin to, to experience that relationship right here, right now. It's not a next day or an eternal thing. It is that. But in our present reality, friends, we get to experience a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And here's what Jesus was saying. This is pretty astounding. It's not the relationship that we've had with our dads, some of which have been great and some of which have been challenging. He promised that we get to have the relationship with his Father that he had. Think about that. We get to have a relationship with God like Jesus had with him each and every day. And that sounds pretty awesome. But Jesus also had a little corrective in there. He always does, doesn't he? Because I think if we take this to its logical conclusion, we're like, God is our best friend. He's like our buddy dad. And Jesus, in the very next line, said, but don't forget my dad's holiness. Let's not forget our father's holiness, that he is set apart that he is venerated, that he is exalted, that he is holy. And as a holy God, he is our Lord. And like our earthly fathers ought to do or should have done, God sets boundaries and expectations for us. He is a good dad who does that perfectly. Isn't that incredible to know? We have a heavenly father who does that perfectly. So when he calls us to do things, when we live that out, we are entering into a relationship with him, acknowledging his holiness, acknowledging his presence in our lives, and then asking him, Lord, what would you have us do? You're a good father, but you're also holy and set apart. So what are we to do? Well, Jesus actually continued in the prayer he told us. We're to spread the kingdom of God. Now, for many of us, we go, what's the kingdom of God? Or we again think the kingdom of God is only going to happen when we get to heaven. But again, that's not true. 
Jesus told us that the kingdom of God would come here to earth and that we'd get to play a role in that. And so the kingdom of God is simply God's desire for all of us as humans to come to know him and for those of us who know him to grow to be like him. And so as we go before our father every day in prayer, we recognize that he's a good father, that he's a holy father, and that his kingdom, his will, is for everyone to come to know him and grow to be like him. And we get to say, God, how do we partner with you in that? What would you have me do today to spread your kingdom? It's important that we bring that before the Lord each and every day in prayer. Jesus continued by noting how the Lord not only loves us, but how he also provides for our needs in some very real and practical and tangible ways, physically and spiritually, the bread being the physical and the debts and debtors being more of a spiritual aspect. Now, for many of us, our physical needs are something that we're pretty aware of because they're the most apparent, right? If something breaks in our bodies, if something is wrong, we know that, and we bring that before the Lord in prayer, and we should do that. Even though God already knows, he wants us to bring that before him because a good father wants to know those things. But he also knows that there's a spiritual aspect to us, and Jesus knew our hearts, right? And he knew that ultimately we were going to fall short. Debts and debtors, sins and sin, sinners, right? He knew that eventually we would fall short, we would let others down, or that others would let us down. We're to bring that before our Father as well. He already knows. But there's something in the practice of that, friends, that helps us to not only draw near to Him, but to experience His love, His truth, His kindness, and His correction in the midst of all of those things. And so Jesus said, do that. Work to bring all of that before our Father. Additionally, Jesus noted that our Father not only loves us, not only does He provide for us, but He also protects us. He said that God would, as we pray, lead us not into temptation, right, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. Again, what father wouldn't want to have their child come to them, good father, and say, I need help. I don't know what to do here. I'm being tempted in this thing. The Lord wants to know that. He wants to know what's going on in our lives. And what father wouldn't want to protect or guard his children? Again, a good father. That's what the, our good father wants to do. And what's pretty incredible is there's a promise in the midst of this that as we drag all of these things before the Lord, that he empowers us to not only understand a little bit more of who he is, but he also empowers us to forgive others in our lives. Jesus ended the prayer with a pretty stern warning about forgiving and being forgiven as well. And so, friends, as we live this out, as we walk this out with a good heavenly Father, not only does he love us, not only does he provide for us, not only does he protect us, but he also empowers us to forgive those others in our lives that we need to forgive. For some of us, that might be our own dads. It might be, I don't know. But at the end of the day, as we draw near to God in the presence of prayer, he provides all of those things. It's not coincidental to me that Jesus couched all of these phrases within the context of prayer. Because prayer is where we get to know the nature of God. That's why Jesus said, 
when you pray, right? Not if, but when. Not only that, it's when we pray where our Father begins to speak His truth over our lives, and He changes and restores us. Think about that. It's in prayer where God begins to speak His truth over each and every one of us, and where He changes and restores us. He changes and restores our hearts. Friends, that's why prayer is so vital. And as we do that, the Lord empowers us to live out His truth and His love, to forgive as He forgave us. I love the TV series, The Mandalorian. I don't know if many of you have watched it. My boys and I love it. And one of the things that we love is when they look at each other. They're wearing helmets, so you're assuming they're looking at each other. And they'll just say, this is the way. And friends, for us, prayer is our way. Prayer is how we get to know the heart of our Father. It's in prayer that we begin to experience His love, that we note His provision, that we sense His protection, that all of these things come together. It's in prayer where He fills in the gaps where other earthly humans have let us down and when we have let other people down. It's where He begins to speak those things through us in us and through us and to others that surround us. So today is Father's Day, guys, and I think we can agree God's a pretty incredible heavenly father. But we also said that we get to reflect that as dads. And this is really to the dads in the room. For those of you who aren't dads, you'll see some application as well. But for those of us who are dads, I know all of us would love to take a next step as a dad, right? Who wouldn't want to take a next step as a dad as we're ministering to our children, as we're walking out life with our spouses. And so I'd encourage us this week to do what the Lord has put before us, to draw near Him in prayer, to go before our Heavenly Father, to seek His love, His provision, and His protection over our lives and over the lives of our families. And then as He reveals His truth to us, and as he speaks to us, that we live that out with those whom we love so well. I'm going to share a couple practical examples of how this can work itself out. Several years ago, I uh, was chatting with Pastor Chris, and by several years ago, it's got to be seven or eight years, seven or eight years ago, uh, and I was chatting with him about raising kids. And so my boys are only 11, my daughter's only nine, seven or eight years ago, they were t- teeny tiny, Right? And I was chatting with him about raising kids, and he shared something with me that that I honestly have never forgotten. He shared with me these words of affirmation that a father can speak over his kids. He actually learned them from a discipleship ministry called Men's Fraternity. He he led it uh, here at New Life, and he shared it with me. And I have found these words of affirmation, there's three phrases in particular we're going to look at here in a second, to be very powerful in the lives of my kids. And I've continued to say them over and over and over as they've grown and developed, uh, as we're going to talk about here in a minute, simple but not easy, right? But there are things that we can do today as dads that will make an immediate impact. And I don't care if you've been a dad for six months or 60 years. These are incredible things that you can say over your kids. So here are the words of affirmation. Here are the phrases. The first one is, I love you. Okay. The second one is, I am proud of you. And the third one is, you're really good at blank. you got to fill in that blank because all of our kids are different, and I don't know how the Lord has gifted your children, 
but we get to point those things out in their lives. Now, these words kind of speak easy but do hard. And here's what I mean. When it comes to love, it's easy to say, I love you. But do our actions actually back that up, right? And I'll be honest, there's been points in my life where, yeah, they have backed it up. There's been other points in my life where they haven't. And I'm well aware of kind of who I am and how I operate. So every day when I draw before the Lord in prayer, I ask him to allow me as a father to love my kids, right? To pour into their lives, to tell them where or what they're doing that I'm proud of them for and and what they're good at. I pray for the Lord to, to lead me in that each and every day. So sometimes it's really nice and easy and sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes I miss it. Sometimes it's pretty inconvenient. A couple of uh, weeks ago, I was driving home, and I don't know if th- you're like this, but I was driving home, and I was thinking of everything I had to do that night, right? And I'm, and I'm going through the list. Okay, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. And I had deadlines around this stuff, and so I needed to get it done. And so I'm driving home, and I'm thinking through the list, and this little voice in the back of my mind said, you should take the night off. Now, I'll tell you, at this point in my life, I have learned well enough that that little voice might be God or it might be me. And I don't know. I don't know. Typically, I know that it's probably God when it's something I don't want to do. And I didn't want to do this. But here's what I often do in those instances. I'll say, God, I don't know if this is you or me, but we'll see how it goes. And I'm ready for whatever. So I went home, had dinner with the kiddos, and it was pretty clear that they needed some dad time that night. It, it just, you know how you can sense it, dads? It was there. So I thought, well, let's go for a walk after dinner. We have some property. So we're walking around the property, and everybody seemed to be okay. And I thought, well, maybe this was it. Maybe this was all that they needed. And maybe I can pivot to my list. I don't know. Lord, let's see. And even as I'm thinking through that, my one son said to me, Dad, One of my cats is missing. Now, you have to understand, in our family, all of my kids have their own pets. My one son has a couple cats. My other son has some ducks. My daughter has some bunnies. It's like wild America at our house. It's the influence of my father on their life. I I don't care about animals. Unless we're eating them, then I really care. (laughs) But they love their pets. And so my son said to me, my cat's missing. like, oh, buddy, that's terrible. How long has your cat been missing? Three days, three days. Now, we live in the country. That's not good. Coyotes are everywhere. You know, we live on a busy road. And I'm thinking, how do I prepare my son for the reality that his cat is probably gone forever, right? And I thought, okay, God, well, thanks for the tip. Uh, Let's wade into this. And so I consoled my son, and I spoke to him, and we just had a moment, and he was worried, and rightfully so. And so that night, we were getting ready for bed, and as a family, we pray pray together each night, and it was my turn to pray. And so I did something that I vowed as a youth pastor I would never do. I prayed for an animal. Um, And I prayed that God would take care of that thing. And uh, I went to... I went to bed that night, just kind of heartsick for my son, consoled him before he went to bed. And the next morning I got up still thinking about that thing and really entered into my time with the Lord going, God, I don't care at all about this cat, but I care about my kid, right? And so as I prayed that morning, I prayed that the Lord would do something 
no matter how it turned out, that would allow me to show my son God in that moment in some way. And I didn't even know what that meant, right? So can you imagine my joy when like a few hours later he ran up and said, my cat's back at the barn. I'm like, oh, praise God. But we talked about in that moment a couple of things. We talked about a God who loves us. We talked about a God who provides for us, who protects us. But we talked about a God who hears us. And I'm really thankful for a God who spoke to me that day and that for once I listened and that I was able to show my son some earthly dad love that he really needed. So friends, when we're walking through these things, when we say to our kids, I love you, sometimes that's what that means. It means that we have to back it up with actions in an inconvenient way. For many of us, we've been walking through this series and we keep saying over and over and over again, we can only do these things as we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I think that for many of us, we're going, what does that mean? Practically, right? What does that mean? What does it mean that when I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit, that I can do these things that I can't do on my own? That's what that means. That's what that means. Because by my nature, I'm not going to do what I did that night. I'm task-oriented. I like lists. I'm going to knock it out. I would have missed that that night. I wouldn't have afforded my son the space to share something like that with me. I, it wouldn't have even pinged my radar. But the Lord, in his wisdom, knew. And because I had asked the Lord that day to bring those opportunities to me, he did. We gave him some space. So not only does prayer, friends, speak to us, but as dads, it allows us to be spoken to about what we get to do for our kids. The second and third phrases are very similar. When we say to our kids, I'm proud of you, we actually have to know what we're proud of them for because they might ask. And so friends, dads, what are you proud of your kids for? What have they done? What have you pointed out in their lives, right? The third phrase, you're really good at blank. What are, you, what are they good at? How have you pointed it out in their lives? How have we done that? I'll be honest, since I was able to do this with my kids at an early age, I've been able to watch them grow and develop. And when you see a new thing, it's like you find a golden nugget, right? And when they're really little, it's like you can tie your shoes. You put on your underwear the right way. I'm so proud of you. One of our kids is like, you still know that's backwards, right? It's usually shirts at this point, but, but they're getting it. But as they get older, I, you see these things developing in them. And where's that from? It's God's hand on their lives. It's their gifts. It's their talents, their abilities that God is bringing to the surface. Friends, dads, how has God gifted our kids? And again, it doesn't matter if they're 4 or 45. How's God gifted them? How have we pointed that out? Now, I'll be honest with you, this might sound daunting, but, but it gets easier. And I'll tell you why it gets easier. It gets easier because as we as dads, when we're in prayer, we experience this first and foremost from our Heavenly Father as well. I can't tell you the number of times when I'm in prayer and I leave that time of prayer knowing three things. I know that my Heavenly Father loves me. I know that He is proud of me. And I know that He has pointed out something in my life that I am good at. And then he also so many times says, you're good at this, and here's what I need you to do with that. And friends, as we experience that in our lives, 
It's how we begin to then pour that forward into our children. Dads, I don't know any other way. I really don't. I've had many mentors in my life who have given me great wisdom and great advice, and I've used that. But they're not there with me every day. They don't know the state of my kids or their hearts, but God does. And all those mentors, and even my own father, who I love, don't always know the state of my heart. They don't always know what I need that day, but God does. And so, friends, as we walk this out, what seems like a daunting task becomes a joy as we pour this into the lives of our kids and into the lives of others with whom we interact. Now, I know that this message was largely for dads today, but again, I don't think you need to be a dad to see the implications and the application to our lives. But guys, it would be an incredible thing. It will be when we pray over our families, when we pray over our kids, when we all take our next step for today, which is this. I will draw near to my true father this week. We draw near to him in prayer. We went over a model that Jesus outlined that we can use. We've talked about why that's a tremendous benefit to us and to our families. And so, friends, the only thing that's before us is that we get to enter into that time with him each and every day as we pray to a God who loves us, provides for us, protects us, and empowers us to live it out each and every day. Amen? Amen. If you're here today and you don't yet know Jesus, I hope you can see as a result of this message why it's such an incredible and powerful thing. We have a good heavenly Father who loves us more than I think many of us will ever fully know this side of heaven. And we get to experience that here and now as we enter into his presence. And so if you've yet to take that next step of accepting Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I'd invite you to do so today. Here at New Life, we say it's simple. It's not always easy, but it's simple. And it's as simple as A, B, C. We admit. We admit that we're sinners in need of a Savior. We believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, that he is the Son of God as he declared himself to be. And then we confess. We confess our need for Jesus as our Savior and Lord, and we commit to following Him in the power of the Holy Spirit each and every day. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'd invite you, as I pray, to simply walk through that ABC with Jesus, and I'll do that with you, to take that next step. For those of us who do know Jesus, I hope and pray that we live out our next step for this week, and that practically and simply is that we would draw near to our Heavenly Father. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, I pray specifically right now for anyone here in this room who does not yet know you. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would open hearts, minister to spirits, speak to each and every one of us, Father God, as only you can. Lord, draw us to yourself. And Lord, I pray right now for any who do not yet know you, that they would admit that they need you in their lives that they would call on your Son, Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, and that they would confess the need for you, confess sins to you, and commit to living for you in the power of your Spirit each and every day. Lord, for all of us here right now, I pray that you would speak to us as well. Lord, for those of us who are dads, I pray that you even, even now bring to mind how we love our kids, what we're proud of them for, what they do well. 
And Lord, for those of us who need that spoken over us, I pray that you would even do that right now, that you would speak your love over us. Lord, that you would tell us why you are proud of us. And Lord, that you would point out those things in our lives that we're good at, that you've gifted us to do, that you've called us to be. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.